today on Pay It Forward, we have Anthony Smith. Anthony is a team-oriented and creative leader. He's a project manager and innovator. He's passionate about new technologies, business development, and consumer behavior. Um, Anthony graduated with his BA in 2018, but he's already built up a very impressive resume with positions ranging from marketing coordinator to project manager, and most recently, a switch to human resources planner. So Anthony, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm so glad I could be here. Of course, of course. So um, to kick things off and talk a little bit about you, um, first of all, tell me like a little bit about where you're from. Uh, where'd you grow up? You know, I wish I knew. I'm just kidding now. Uh, <laughs> I, um, let's see. Hey guys, I'm Anthony. Uh, I'm from Stockbridge, McDonough, Atlanta area. Um, let's see, I am 23 years old and I'm out here trying to change lives through social media and all kinds of new innovative ways that we can make change in our own communities. Um, let's see, what was the question again? It was, <laughs> I'm so bad at these things. It's like, who are you? Where are you from? What are you doing? Is, I think that, that was, it was it. It was basically just like kind of where you're from, where'd you grow up, that kind of thing. But if those are the same place, then. I mean, it's all, you know, it's all, yeah, it's all the same place. Um, let's say went to UGA. So Athens only an hour down the way, go dogs. Mm -hmm. um, so I've really only been in this uh, Southeast Atlanta area, for, I think predominantly uh, my entire life actually. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, that makes sense. They're, they're the same place. They're the same place. It was the same place. Yeah. So, um, you know, well, flashback and, you know, when people ask you what you wanted to be when you were, I don't know, five, 10 years old, um, was your answer a social media guru or did you have a different answer back then? No. And, you know, I, I tried for so long trying to figure out what it, what it was going to be. Uh, yeah. the, the two that constantly came up were, um, something in movies, but I didn't really mean like I wanted to like direct or film. I said like I wanted to do something that was on a screen and I knew I wanted to teach. Hmm. And so like I would just say actor, like not really understanding, no, you don't want to act. You want to do something that impacts a wide variety of people across the world. And that's like the internet. And it took me, I, I think up until college to figure out, oh, there are other positions than doctor, lawyer, fireman. Like, oh yeah, but, you know, and and especially in my community specifically, you know, advertising isn't something that a lot of people um, cater towards. Like, they don't groom you for that growing yeah. up. And I feel like a lot of us, there aren't so many of us um, in those positions who can give you, hey, these are the steps in order to do this. And so I, I remember I went into freshman year of college and I said you know, I'm going to do radio, but that's because that's where the, <laughs> that's where my people, um, were, were at. And that's where I could like glean from. That's where I was like, okay, I know that I can look up to those people's industries, but, um, yeah, I had to discover this all on my own. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that makes sense. It's just like, you know, when you were growing up, all the jobs you want to be are jobs that everybody takes super serious. It's doctor, lawyer, astronauts, stuff like that. Right. No, nobody's like, yeah, I think I want to be a, an advertising strategist or a project manager. You know, that's, <laughs> that's where it's really at. So um, you are at Lean Swift right now. So for those of us like myself who um, are very unfamiliar with Lean Swift, can you give me just kind of like a brief overview of, you know, what they are, what they do um, and sort of what you do there? Yeah. So Lean Swift is an enterprise retail um, planning consulting firm. And so what we do is we take companies and businesses and we try to figure out, okay, what are your needs? So at Nebo together, when we, when we were there, we tried to figure out how to advertise the market. So 
my job now is to figure out, okay, so once the advertising is great and you search cute boots for fall and you add it to your cart and checked out, I want to figure out, okay, how can I get it to you in the fastest amount of time? Is that through uh, Amazon? Is that through FedEx? Calculate the number of days. Well, what is the production, uh, excuse me, production time on that? What are some other lead time variables that I have to worry about? Who are my manufacturing partners that I have to work with? Are there any suppliers that I need to talk to? Are there any legalities? And so we customize um, a software software um, for our different clients across the globe. And so I think right now our offices are in Chennai, India, uh, Sweden, Atlanta, and I think we have a couple of people out in Ohio. Mm. No, that's really cool. So it's more, um, it sounds like sort of like logistics, supply chain. Correct. Uh, so do you, uh, you mentioned that you, you know, work with a couple of clients. Are there like client specific teams over at Lean Swift or is it, you know, just sort of um, everybody kind of works together on various clients? So it's, it is um, a traditional consulting team firm. Like we would go in as a team. Okay. So um, typically if you buy the software in its look, totality, you would have one manufacturing consultant, one supply mm-hmm. chain, one that does um, customer order management. And so, and like one finance. So it is more of like, okay. And that person dedicates, I'd say two weeks out of the month to that one client and they may uh, similar to uh, other places, they might have a secondary client that they work maybe one or two weeks out of the month. Do, do you guys like, um, I know a lot of consultancies, um, a lot of consultants sort of spend a lot of time at their end client. Um, so for the people who are spending, you know, let's say two weeks out of the month working on a client, are they sort of, you know, in their Lean Swift office? Um, well, I know we're in the pandemic now, so they're probably at home. <laughs> But is it sort of, you know, if things were ideal, would they be sort of in the office working or would they be sort of at the client working with the client team? Yeah, I will say um, it was 70 to 100 percent travel. So you wake mm. up Sunday morning, you head to the airport and, you know, Hartsfield, you, you have to you have to really fight everyone to get in there. <laughs> yeah. It's like sometimes a three hour wait. So you get in, you fly on Sunday, you fly back Thursday night, Friday morning, you're still working from home. Um, but Monday through Thursday, yeah, you're typically on site. Um, gotcha. And then Saturday, you're trying to just make up for everything that you missed during the week. Yeah, fair enough. So I guess one of my questions too is like, kind of how did you even you know find out about Lean Swift? Um, like, how did you first come across them? Yeah, um, well, LinkedIn, oh my gosh, the power of the internet, it's so yes. huge. Um, and never to anyone listening, please never doubt the things that you can find out there. Never stop looking. Um, I was job hunting and I will say Lean Swift was not my first um, choice in the, in the beginning, but however, I started to fall in love with it. I, I was in desperate need for jobs. So uh, mm-hmm. I, was, I was teaching abroad in Barcelona uh, English and then I came back home to the United States and I was like, oh crap, like I still have student loans. I need to pay these off. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I applied to 800 jobs in four weeks and I scored this one. And so trying to figure out, okay, between all the offers that I do have, how can we um, make the most, I guess, impact and, 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 and get me to the places that I need to go? Mm. Holy shit, 804 weeks? <laughs> yeah, it was a little rough. Um, I will say that having, and that's, a, that's another thing, pro tip for anyone else looking for a job, especially during the pandemic, if you can find a recruitment agency to say, hey, we're going to send out 10 applications on your behalf and just skip you to the second round interview, Honestly, that saves so much time. Um, there are several out there on LinkedIn. Do a quick Google search. 
Um, if you have any questions, please ask me. Yeah, for, I think I might tuck that in my <laughs> pocket too. <laughs> so uh, at Lean Swift now, your title is Human Resource Planner. Um, but before that, you were a junior business consultant. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. So um, can you talk me through sort of, you know, why the switch um, and sort of how did that sort of that jump come about? Yeah. So I started off as a junior business consultant because I felt like it was more in line of what I was doing at Devo. So project management, it is, mm -hmm. though I wasn't a project manager, it was definitely still a lot of client meetings, presenting deliverables, mm -hmm. showing you, okay, hey, is this what you want? Understanding feedback, writing, you know, a lot of, a lot of agendas, a lot of documentation. Um, so it, it felt in line. So then the transition to um, resource planning changed, uh, actually not fairly recently. Um, we are now creating a new role within the company because we're just, we're growing. Um, yeah. Even during this pandemic, like we're finding new ways to find new business. Um, and so as of right now, you know, we're sending a lot of clients out. And so we're, we need to have, you know, a better grip of our bandwidth. And they came to me recently and saying, hey, you know, you seem to be like a person who really values and understands the needs of the team as like while you're on site. And now that you have some experience, we'd like for you to, um, work with us in project management and um, move forward and see if there's another route for you to grow. And I was like, yeah, I would love to hit this up. So um, yeah, I'm currently right now designing my own role. Uh, I'm loving it and seeing, seeing, seeing results instantly. It's because you know, you're working with your team uh, internally. Yeah, I think being able to design your own role is probably the dream for a lot of people, you know, <laughs> so you're living it. But uh, you mentioned uh, how fast you guys are growing even during the pandemic. And so I don't have any stats to back this up, but just anecdotally, and I'm only thinking about myself and some of my family members, and some of my friends, like ever since we've been on quarantine, lockdown, whatever you want to call it, I have bought so much stuff. I don't know whether it's Me. out of just like <laughs> sheer boredom or stuff that I was going to buy anyway, but now I'm home and I don't have anywhere to go. So I might as well buy it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think, the highlight of some of my days, especially recently, has been like, let me see, you know, where my package is, you know, where's it on the, how many stops I got to go before I go pick it up? I'm like, should I just go ambush the truck and, and get it myself? <laughs> yeah, you get that little rush of serotonin. You're like, oh my God, it's here. <laughs> like, oh. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> These shoes that I can't wear anywhere because of the virus are here, like, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, yeah, I'm just gonna have a fashion show at the house. So, see, um, <clears throat> Okay, so that's a little bit about sort of, you know, where you're at today, that sort of thing. But I wanted to go ahead and open it up to you and ask you kind of, you know, what's on your mind today? Uh, what's good with you? What's good with you? Okay, so there are, <laughs> there are a lot of things that we could talk about, but I'm assuming trying to see if I can narrow that down a little bit. Um, I think what's going on today, well, it has officially been over 110 days since the coronavirus started, and mm -hmm. I have officially lost 25 pounds since it has begun so wow. i am down yeah i'm so excited you want to lose 25 for me i feel like i've gained at least 10. <laughs> you found mine <laughs> no um yeah i i started a ketogenic diet um i'm not gonna do this long term but it's definitely helped me like get into shape because i yeah. feel like sitting is like the new smoking you know like mm. just not moving and i feel so energized and this is like the one thing i'm like oh i'm learning how to cook and you know like I'm losing weight and, um, but it, it really came from traveling. Oh my gosh, when you don't cook, you, yeah. they, don't, they don't tell you this, that when you don't cook, you eat out five days a week and then you go and you're only eating like PF Chang's 
Mm-hmm. And you're like, and like they give you the, they give you like a little like lunch, dinner, breakfast stipend. They're like, okay, you get like, you know, a hundred bucks a day. You know, I don't know, just making up a number. And then, you know, I'm the kind of person who will be like, oh, I'm just not gonna eat breakfast and lunch, and I'm gonna have a hundred dollar meal. <laughs> like, <it's, laughs> and so it's like the fattiest thing on the menu. Yeah. That's yeah. a good way to budget it. <laughs> I guess it's terrible for your body. <laughs> so this has been, a, you know, a call to form because I gained 20 pounds. So basically now I'm at net zero. Yeah, I got you. I got you. So, okay. You mentioned, um, you know, going to, to teach abroad in Barcelona. We're going to come back to that for sure. Yeah. But talk to me sort of a little bit about, you know, your college experience. Um, I know you went to UGA. You mentioned that earlier. Um, you had your BA is in business administration in digital marketing. So, um, if you could talk me through a little bit of, you know, what was your experience like um, in college, and specifically, you know, in sort of business um, marketing, digital, you know, you know, as as a minority, sort of, you know, what was that experience like for you? Um, what were some of the biggest lessons that you took straight out of college? You know, there's or, or I could write you five books on everything that I, that I learned from the University of Georgia. So I went to Clayton State University first for a year and a half. Um, okay. So it was it was dual enrollment, and then I went to Clayton State for my freshman year, and then I transferred. Mm-hmm. It was a night and day difference on how people treated me, and I had no idea that. Excuse me, that people uh, responded differently to different types of messages in different kinds of ways, and. Um, I came into I came into UGA still communications and I changed to business immediately because I recognized like the level of power that that name has. But yeah. I think um, I think it was such a struggle that sometimes I'm like I wouldn't I wouldn't suggest this to anyone because in addition to like how tough you know classes were on their own. I mean you're a number. I mean it's 300 people in an accounting class um, and like that makes or breaks you know, their decision to like let you into their program. Uh, you know, a lot of students, they look at me and they're like, oh, no, I don't want to work with that guy. He's not smart. And meanwhile, I have a higher GPA than they do. Um, and there were just like some little things that like, there were some little boundaries, like, um, especially in the financial realm. So I tried to join some, not elitist, but definitely some upper nuanced uh you know, like honor societies. And so I yeah. saw that there was a lot of disparity. I would go in there and I'd be like, why am I the only one that looks like me here? Um, I know that there's several of us on campus. Um, also, why is there like a statue dedicated to someone that like would not want me here? Mm. Like it, not even just like one, but like several like littered across campus. There's a whole like Confederate graveyard yeah. next door that you can see as you're walking to class. It's just like, it puts like an additional mental strain that uh, if you're weak, you might not be able to make it out. Hmm. Well, you know, I went to South Carolina, so go Cox, I guess, uh, <laughs> uh, right up the road. But, you know, I, I wasn't a communications major in undergrad, but I will say that, you know, there's a lot of subtle memories that I have back in the day and especially of noticing especially like the sort of Confederate stuff, you know, like, I mean, you don't have to get far outside of Atlanta or far outside of Columbia to sort of see the Confederate flag, like flying on somebody's truck. Right. Right. And so, um, you know, I, I, I don't think that I necessarily experienced a whole lot of that 
um, on campus itself all the time, although there were definitely some instances at USC and at Clemson that were kind of in the national news about that sort of thing. But, um, you know, I, th I just think that, you know, especially in college where it's some place where you're supposed to be able to explore yourself, um, explore the world a little bit and figure out, you know, what life is supposed to look like for you mm -hmm. after school, you know, having to deal with something like that is, it's such a burden, you know, like, yeah, that's, that's a time where you're really supposed to be as free as you could be, you know? Oh my gosh. Especially, you know, during that time, I mean, it's like, you can make or mold anything. So I, mm. I think it's, it's hard. It's like, it's saddening. Like when you try to express yourself or figure out like who you belong with, and then you go to like, I don't know, Greek row. And then they're like, Oh, I, I don't, <laughs> mm. I don't, I don't think that you should be here. I'm not gonna tell you why you shouldn't be here, but you, you shouldn't. Yeah. Um, yeah, go, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. So I was going to say, um, earlier you mentioned, um, you early on wanted to be sort of like an actor, movie star, that sort of thing. Um, you know, because you wanted to be able to impact people that way. And in college, you sort of translated that over to communications and then you switched to business. Um, other than the fact that business sort of has, uh, a lot of sort of prestige, I guess, attached to it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, what was, what were some of the things that you had in the back of your mind when you made the switch from communications specifically over to business? Was <laughs> it like you wanted to, you were angling for a certain job or you want to make more money? What was going on in your head when you made that switch? <laughs> I felt like radio was dying. So I was like, oh no, <laughs> we, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta figure this out. And so I felt like, um, digital marketing was more up my alley anyways, because it encompasses a lot. Like it seems to be the bridge between communications and PR, but also allows you to stay on top of current trends, mm -hmm. um, tell businesses how to evolve. And I, and, and I was, I'm always that person who watches advertisements for fun. And I'm like, Oh, like they did this wrong. They need to change this, this, and this. So I think having, um, having like a real heart to heart with people and saying like, Hey, like, do you think that I can make it in this industry mm. and having someone say, you know what, like maybe not. Um, and then, you know, having some really, really key mentors sit me down and say, these are some of the different job classes that you can apply for after college with a communications degree versus a bit business. And, and by no means, I'm not shaming communications majors, but um, I definitely did have um, some support um, in my home network saying, Hey, you know, if you decide to stay business, you know, I can support you in this, this way or, mm -hmm. um, and so that, that's how we got here. But I, I went to business marketing and I fell in love with it. I mean, it's all the cool stuff and you get Instagram, you have, um, different kinds of like political campaigns that you can get into with like, um, with like polling that's technically, you know, how to market a person versus how to market a business. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and they're just, and it's ever expanding and it's always changing. I think that's something that for me, I was looking for job security in the long run. And, you know, I don't even think that in 10 years, we're going to call this digital marketing anymore. I think we're going to call it, um, I think there's either going to be either more subsets that are more specific or it's, it's going to get, it's going to be totally removed because I mean, everything's going to be digital. So for me, this was, oh, okay, I know that with this degree, the term limit on it will not expire forward slash the skills that you're going to get um, at the University of Georgia are not limited to 
the context that you know. I feel like with uh, a theater or communication degree, sometimes it's you get the the roles based on who's in your immediate network. Whereas this is, oh, okay, well, I have these skills and I can fly anywhere in the world. I can do I can do an eight hundred um, job market push in four <laughs> <Yeah>. weeks. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. it's very it's pretty versatile, right? Yeah. I, well, I, you said something in there where you said uh, it's not going to be necessarily quote unquote digital anymore. And I think, I think you're right um, in both ways that you sort of pose that. I think that there's always going to be more and more subsets as new technology develops. People are going to find a way to monetize it, use it for marketing, use it for all sorts of other business functions, that sort of thing. So yeah, there's always going to be more um, sort of subsets of marketing. So like in digital, there's all these other branches, right? But at the same time, when there's so many avenues to market a product, to advertise to people, to sort of bring your product into their lives in some meaningful way, that at a certain point, it stops being, you know, channel marketing, period. It's just literally, it's just marketing. It's right. just experience at that point. So I think you're, I think you're right in both ways that you posed that. Um, but I did want to kind of follow up with you. So you uh, finished college in 2018 right and you've already had like a really diverse set of roles throughout your career so far um so i was wondering if you could sort of walk me through uh, some of the roles you've had um you know you don't have to go in order but just talk me through some of the different types of positions you've had some of the different places you've worked <laughs> are you hiring now like <laughs> okay no you don't need a job <laughs> i was like I'm clear. no um Let's see, walk you through memory lane. Well, I, I would like to shout out my uh, work alma mater, Public Supermarkets. Mm. Whoop, seven years there. Wow, let me tell you, um, <laughs> that instilled some work ethic. I, I applied at 14 mm. and they paid for um, about half of my tuition going through uh, UGA and Clayton State. Yeah. Um, just having them uh, you know, as like a team support and some of them that I still work with or that I used to work with are still my, you know, close friends to this day. Um, so I was, I started off 14, I was back in groceries, 16, I was on the register, 18, I was behind that cash counter, you know, doing lottery tickets and money orders. Mm -hmm. And at 20, they were like, you know, here's like the key to the store kind of deal. And I was working between um, three different stores at the same time. Yeah. That's um, yeah. At 20. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay while um, I was a barista at a coffee shop, um, actually, and I was going back and forth between two because one was seasonal um, and a full-time student and an, on the equestrian team and uh, in a fraternity and on a debate team. It was a when, lot. It was <laughs> when did you have time to do anything? <laughs> I guess for me, that was my time to, like, that was my fun. Does that make sense? Because like mm. all those little things, I never had any downtime and I knew that life wouldn't be like that as soon as I turned that tassel. And that's, I guess my, one of my main messages today is, you know, if you're in college, like this is your time that there are limited consequences and that you can make a bunch of mistakes, meet a bunch of people, um, try on all these different hats before, you know, you get locked down to the, you know, the mundane Monday through Friday. Like I am now, like I'm in this one, I'm in, I'm in one role and I love it, but I'm in this one job, I'm in this one role and I have one fun activity. It's, it's yeah. not, you know, it's not as flexible. Well, before you keep going with some of the other jobs, let me just interject really quick and say, and pose this question to you. And I think I know the answer. I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but 
you I think you just told me you had three jobs and then at least two or three other clubs that you were a part of in at least in college, right? Correct. Would you say on a scale of one to ten, one being not at all and ten being very much so, how, how what number would you say uh, best demonstrates your level of extrovertedness? <laughs> So surprisingly, it's gone down. It, it really has. It was it was a twelve, but now we're now we're at like because of quarantine. I don't know. I don't ever want to like, you know, put on business casual again. I'm now yeah. starting to turn to like a hermit. So I'd say a solid. Um, say it's on the six. I mean, that's a lot. <laughs> but. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. Um, so Publix, uh, work ethic, that sort of thing. Barista yeah. at a couple of coffee shops, a lot of clubs. So. What other uh, what other jobs did you? What was your first job straight out of college? First job, well, this is isn't this a fantastic story? I so I knew this professor uh, at UGA. It was my senior year, and I had shattered her forever. She was my favorite. I loved her, mm-hmm. um, and I inside the digital marketing program, there are numerous ways to prove that you have skill. I mean, there's obviously like your capstone projects. There are. Um, there are a lot of essays that you do, a lot of statistical analyses that you know you derive. But um, I was in the digital marketing competition, and I had, and also the the multicultural business student association mm. um, competition, like a case study. And I had shown all this work to my professor, and I said, "Hey, like you've seen my work in your class and outside. Can I please use you? Can I please, please, please?" I just would knock on her door every day, and I brought her all kinds of like nice little candies and things. I was like, "Please, please don't forget me." And so she reached out to um, an owner of a local Atlanta marketing agency. She goes, "Hey, there's this guy named Brian that I know. I owned my own agency, and I've worked a lot." Um, you know, in advertising. And so she mm-hmm. sat me down and was like, you know, here are the different job classes that you should um, look into. Here are the different roadmaps. Here are the expected salaries. And so really like taking all that for, um, uh, was, was, was super important. But anyways, um, I reached out to the agency that she told me about and it was Nebo Agency in West Midtown Atlanta. I don't know if you, have you been there? Uh, yeah, a couple times. A couple times, okay. So um, I showed up for my interview and it was, I think around, around the same time as yours. And I had, uh, I was, I had so much sweat underneath my like, <laughs> sports coat. I, I was like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, same. And, and I met um, the president, Kim, and the co-founder, Brian, um, on my, I think my second trip. And then they were like, oh, let's take like an hour long test. But anyways, so I got that first job. I landed it and I moved to West Midtown um, and I could walk to work. And that was amazing. Uh, and then I learned so much about all the different things that uh, I should have learned in school, but didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, they they taught me about all the different departments. So between, you know, um, website design or search engine marketing versus uh, paid. I didn't know that there was a difference between organic and paid. I thought this was just all wrapped into one thing. It was it was such a huge um, eye-opener in terms of not being ignorant anymore in, in mm-hmm. the, the, ter- like the different types of marketers. I thought it was just, oh, you know, I did a tweet. That's marketing. No, no, no. There's, <laughs> there are social media marketers, but there's also analytics people. There's also... Um, there's front end and back end. I was like, front end and back end of what? You, you know, like there's mm-hmm. so many concepts and things that I got a chance to really work with hands on. And I think being in a project management that early, like straight out of college, was um, 
to me the foundation for everything that I do now because it's I, I, I now not only know my one role, but I have a little glimmer and glimpse into what you did working on your team and mm -hmm. everyone else's. Yeah. So where have, you know, where'd you go after Nebo? What were some of the, the steps that you took after you left Nebo? Yeah. Um, so after I left Nebo, um, I did, I did go abroad and I did teach for a little bit just to figure out if I would ever go, want to go back to grad school. And the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. um, and then I came home. And so then um, Lane Swift was immediately after or shortly therefore. Um, but in between that, I started my own um, digital marketing, not consulting, but um, independent um, advisory group. Uh, we're, we're trying to, we're trying to still figure out how our flow is, but so far I know some people from uh, the university uh, who have impacted me on a, on a huge level and we've worked together on multiple projects. And we said, you know what, like what if we could for right now help out some either like nonprofits or, um, you know, try to get our, try to get our feet wet into what it's like running our own business. Because a yeah. lot of times people are saying, Oh, you know, you gotta have at least two to five years experience. But if no one's going to give me two to five years experience, where am I get that from? I said, well, I'm going to have to make it myself. Yeah. You know? that, that sounds like an amazing sort of, uh, way to reverse that problem, right? So, right. Um, well, who all, how many people are in your, um, I think you characterize it as an independent advisory group. So how many people are, are working alongside you? And do you guys have like a specific type of nonprofit that you want to work with? Or, you know, what's you guys' philosophy as far as um, the work that you want to do? Yeah. Um, so there are four of us right now. One of us does websites, one does content. The other one is a strategist and I myself am more of like the project management board slash um, general marketing strategy. Um, or, or sometimes I can do like a little PR um, role. And so the four of us so far have been helping out different people catch up to date to 2020. I think that a lot of, a lot of people who didn't major in business, and I'm finding this out, they, they don't understand some of the, the common things that we do, you know, like mm. the simple things, like just have Google Analytics. You don't even have to be doing all kinds of like random stuff on it, but do you have a Google My Business page? Like, you know, just some very general tips right now, just to get some people um, in the game, especially now that we're at home, you know, it's been, yeah. it's been saying, uh, let's create uh, maybe a strategy deck and we go over some of the key things that you can do at home in order to, you know, get some more efficiencies. And so how do we choose uh, our clients? You know, we've been working with nonprofits, but um, you know, we are working with, with other groups as well. I know that right now I'm trying to help um, a small uh, local can political campaign. Mm. And though we're not, you know, officially offering our services as, as a business, we think that it's important as individuals that we um, are involved and engaged in our community, especially with all of the rising things with um, the Black Lives Matter movement. I want to make sure that I'm doing my part to, you know, put people in office um, that make a difference. And I know that you know voter suppressor, voter voter suppression is still a thing, um, but I know that I can do several things outside of that. Um, yeah. and, and marching and 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 funding some of these organizations. Is, is a powerful um, tool, but I wanted to see if there was more. And I'm so glad that I have a team that supports my mission in doing that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that 
I don't know if you felt this, but I definitely have. So I haven't really been, you know, out uh, as far as participating in protests and those sorts of things. And I have felt really, really guilty about that. Um, like, so I went to visit, my girlfriend lives back home in Columbia, South Carolina. I went to go visit and we were sort of together while everything was falling apart. Right. And I remember saying like, you know, I feel like we should go like, you know, be a part of the movement, like do whatever we can. And then I saw this post and it was sort of detailing, you know, all these different types of activism. And it was like, not everybody needs to be on the front lines. And some people, some people's skills are better used here or there. Like there's storytellers, there's, you know, donators, there's the front lines, there's the caregivers. There was like a, a whole like set of archetypes. And I was like, you know what? If there's ever going to be a time for me to decide what I'm going to do to sort of, you know, help the movement beyond just, you know, nothing and looking at things on Instagram and scrolling Twitter and liking and retweeting. <laughs> like, I, I was like, you know what, this is something um, that I could do just based on, you know, where I am in life, what I do for a living um, and how many, you know, black students and black professionals I know out there that really don't ever see anybody that looks like them. You know, so I applaud you for being able to translate your skills into, you know, something that's positive and especially now. Yeah, thank you. Um, of course. But I mean, I wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for the people, you know, behind me. And I feel like, you know, with our generation specifically, it I haven't really seen us come together and figure out a way to like pay it forward, you know, uh, so for lack of a better word. Yeah. Um, and like initiatives like these are the, are the kinds of things that we can be doing that are peaceful, that are mm -hmm. making a positive impact, that are um, key into um, new age education. And I think that it comes in a format that, you know, people can understand today because I know that a lot of people aren't going to turn on, I don't know, 95.5 the beat you know like <laughs> to like learn about this stuff but this is something that can be mass spread across the world that they want to this can be uploaded and, and and so i commend you for that too i think um the two of us are really trying to figure out ways to 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 make a difference mm -hmm. we don't even all, always have to follow the status quo you know yeah yeah absolutely so before we get off more on our soapbox um i want to jump <laughs> back in and um so you mentioned earlier that uh you know, you, you went to Barcelona to teach English while you were deciding whether or not you would go back to grad school. Um, and I remember when I was deciding whether or not I should go back to grad school and I was working door to door sales. I hated my life. That was, that was 2016. And that was probably easily the worst year of my life because of a lot of reasons, but you know, mostly that. Um, so what was kind of going on, you know, in you, your life, um, in your mind, um, when you were trying to make the decision on uh, whether or not to go back to grad school and how did, you know, Barcelona even, you know, come across your mind in the first place? <laughs> I know, right? It's like, that's a weird left that yeah, we just you, went you there. A, like, took a left turn there. It was like all this, okay, UGA, all these clubs, all local, publics, local. <laughs> okay, Nebo, still local. Spain, hmm, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's a, anyway, no, so, I was still at Nebo and I was talking to someone who had done a similar program before. So for those of you guys listening, um, 
the CELTA, so the Certification in English Language Teaching to Adults is run through Cambridge, and they have um, they have hundreds of schools across the world that they accredit in their program to uh, teach English to people who have never heard a look of it. And I was talking to someone, uh, Rachel, one of the other project managers. It's all on who you know, guys. It's all on who you know, your network. Um, she was saying, yeah, you know, I did this. You know, she's from, she's from England. And, and she was telling me about this and how she went to, I think, like Croatia. And I was like, oh, man, like you did this? How much was it? Like, what? How so after like watching a couple YouTube videos and getting a better, bigger understanding, I was like, oh, this is a, you know, world-renowned program uh, that allows you to always have job securities and flexibility. And I remember going through uh, at Nebo wondering, okay, well, what is the next step in my career? You know, what do I want to do next? Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, and I still love Nebo to this day. And uh, I still recognize it as like, this is, this is how it started. Um, but I was thinking, well, you know, before I go to grad school and pay $80,000, I was having a conversation with my mom. She was like, listen, I'm not helping you pay for, you know, your, your post-grad. Listen, I, can't, I barely helped you. It got you through your, your undergrad. Mm -hmm. And, you know, dad was really like, no, 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 no. So, <laughs> so. Um, I said, well, okay, mom and dad, like, before I do this, can you guys help me um, get to Spain? And they were like, okay, sure. Like, uh, we think that this is a worthwhile investment. And so um, I, put in, I put in my two weeks at Nebo right after I was accepted. Um, I think this was, I think I left in July. I knew the program started a couple weeks into August. And I packed my bags and I have never left the country. I didn't have a passport. And I felt like I needed to have a reset. I needed to... Mm -hmm. Um, remove all of the barriers of, um, you know, my location, the people that surround me. I needed to know, well, who am I when I'm not around my best friend? Who am I when I'm not around my partner? Who am yeah. I when I'm not, you know, like, what are the things that I really want for myself? What are the ideals that I live by? And I was like, well, this will give me, you know, four to eight weeks to, to really hone in on that and figure out before you spend, you know, all this money to like meet up with the wrong person at the wrong school and get involved in the wrong crowd, how about, you know, we see, do you like being in a classroom? Do you like being with students? A lot of people don't, um, but I went over there and not even knowing that their language, um, like their default was Spanish and I didn't know, like, I know, hola, como estas? <laughs> but like, I don't really know, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I knew like, donde esta el baño? You know, like I didn't mm -hmm. really know um, anything. And so I, when I went into that classroom, I recognized that it wasn't just the subject of English that I liked teaching. It was, no, I genuinely like um, being in front of, um, being in front of students, watching them learn, seeing those aha moments. And I think mm -hmm. going back to earlier in the conversation, I was like, yeah, I really want to be an actor, but it wasn't acting. It was, I really want to like make a connection with an audience. And so an audience doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, a movie. It could be your classroom. And, mm -hmm. um, and so after I finished the certificate, uh, I, you know, I was looking at in terms of job security and as well as the, the, the market uh, for English teachers, you know, I didn't, I didn't personally feel so secure in that in order to pay bills. And I recognize I have a hefty student loan because UGA is not cheap another barrier for, <laughs> for, for, for us African-Americans to face in higher education. But um, I was like, I can come home and pay this loan off. 
um, I can, you know, I can do this and I can live on this perfect beach, but uh, I'd rather do that when I'm teaching a subject mm. that pays more um, and something that I have more experience in. And I said, well, how about we blend the two experiences that we've had so far? So go back to school for marketing and, um, you know, become a professor and, and make, make a student's life. Be that teacher that helped me get my first job. So then all the lines finally started to, you know, come together and dots were connecting. Yeah. Well, first of all, a couple of things. <clears throat> so one, um, you mentioned acting um, again, and you mentioned audience. And I would say that I 100% agree with you where I think you said that acting doesn't necessarily mean on a movie. And I would go a step further and say acting is more about the performance, right? So whether the performance could be I'm being a teacher today. I'm being a professor, right? Mm. And your audience absolutely can be your classroom. And I love that you brought that up because... I've been kicking around this idea for a little while now. So I'm thinking that, so I'm 25 right now. And I've been kicking around the idea that when I turn 30, I'm going to decide for once and for all, whether or not I'm going to go back and get my PhD in something and be a professor. And, but I think that you and I share the same reason for that. Whereas you just said that you want to be the professor that sort of gives somebody that first start that, you know, can sort of guide, you know, really impressionable students to sort of figure out, you know, things for themselves, chart their own path. I had a professor like that. Um, his name was Ed Carr. I will definitely have to send him your episode and this, this is I'm shouting him <laughs> out. But he was a, he, I had him for human geography my freshman year in college. And I mean, I don't know if you ever watched Suits, but I used to love that show. And I think I told him one day, I was like, you remind me so much of Harvey Specter because he like would wear these like fly ass suits all the time. And I was like, yo, like, come on, help me out. Like, <laughs> I'm looking bummy over here. Like, help, help me out. But like he had a he had two PhDs, one in geography and one in anthropology. And I just remember being like, holy crap. Like you got you know how hard it is to get one. You got right. two. And so, you know, I mean, I was the anthropology major, so I used to always pick his brain on that stuff. But. I think that you and I, in a lot of ways, sort of have the same idea as far as, you know, somewhere down the road, we might both be professors, you know, hell, we might be in the same department somewhere. So um, it's really cool to hear you sort of talk through um, how this thread of, I'm going to call it performance, you know, even from, you know, being an actor to uh, deciding to do communications and, and then switching to marketing to, you know, toying around with the idea of being a professor. I think that's amazing. I'm crying. I don't think I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a quick side note. So yeah. I just did a Google search of Harvey Specter. Wow, this guy is sharp. Sorry. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I'm just gonna tell you, man. It's a good show. Um, not enough black people, but Megan Markley is in it. Um, really? Yeah, she's like My a princess. main character. So yeah, literally. Wow. Um, so okay, as you're thinking about you know some of the roles you've had, those sort of things, and and how you've pivoted a handful of time handful of times. Um, what have been some of the biggest obstacles you've had to overcome? Biggest obstacles? Um, whew, well, I started uh, the University of Georgia. Wait, wait, wait. We're talking about college? Hold on, just to clarify. What can we redo this question? We're like, college? <laughs> are we talking about like career? I just want to make sure. I'm um, let's go career. 
Um, okay. However, if you want to talk college, I'm completely cool with that. Yeah. So what, gosh, there, where do I start? I mean, what, being black and advertising isn't hard enough, right? No, <laughs> no. Um, I think coming into this industry, almost any corporate industry in general, it is hard to find um, mentors who will invest a lot of time into you. And so um, the challenge really isn't in so much what is that, like, how to do my job. The challenge has been, how do I, um, how do I manage my social network? How do I, how do I expand across things that I don't know? And how can I utilize other people in my space when I don't have someone to teach me the ropes? And so um, things like this are perfect because it helps us get a better understanding. We know what we're, what we're gonna go face when we get into. Um, and I think also one of the bigger challenges of going to this industry is that, you know, a lot of these are, um, and I guess this is probably gonna sound terrible, but, you know, blonde women. Like you go into this and you're like the one, you're like the one black swan over here. And you're like, wait, <laughs> one of these things is not like the other. And so sometimes when it comes to cocktails or, you know, happy hours, sometimes you might get invited. And that's where like some of the real stuff goes down. Like, of course mm. you can do like a normal nine to five, but trying to find a way to enter into some of these um, situations where I can make a difference or I can, um, you know, do some of these power moves or like some of these like behind the scenes um, administrative um I guess moves and this is still again. Yeah. It's definitely been um has definitely been a challenge. And I think not being able to see past the horizon of my own worldview has been hard. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like as as hard as it is to say it, I think sometimes for our community, like we don't know everything, we don't have the answers to everything. And um there are other cultures out there who are doing some things in different ways that have sometimes better results. Than what we do and so um i think some of the challenge has been figuring out okay what do i need to do to get that yeah and you mentioned just now that you know sort of finding um the right mentor has been a little bit of a challenge um mm -hmm. looking back uh what advice would you give to you know black students um junior level people who are looking for a mentor to be able to guide them to sort of figure out some of those questions about, you know, what their next step is, or, you know, if they're just starting out in the industry. You know, I was, I was talking to a group of PhD students at UGA, um, Alvin Black, and we were having this discussion of mentorship mm -hmm. and every single one of them, we all noted that we had one mentor that really made a difference for us. Um, and more commonly, it seemed to be within that group, I think there's about six of us, four of us had one mentor that was specifically black that pushed them over the edge, that gave mm -hmm. them that advantage. I know this for myself, and I can't speak for everybody, but I know that if someone who looks like me and has the same track and is going the same direction as me wants to take their career or their personal life to the next level, I feel almost obligated to help them because it's like, I wouldn't have been here unless someone else had like reached out 
and 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 swooped me up and made sure that I was okay. So mm-hmm. I can now now it's almost like um putting a putting on your your face mask for helping someone else. Okay, so I got my face, I got my little oxygen mask. Now is my time to go and reach. And 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 that group of people all said, you know, if someone came to me, you know, I think that it's important that we give that we that we give back. And some of us don't really know like who's out there until they approach us. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, and of course, you know, you don't want all your mentors to be have all the same mentality. Like, I mean, if you can find someone, I don't know, from a different you know continent. Like if they were like Korean, that would be great. You know, like some, something, you know, on, on, a, on a bigger scale. But what I will say is that finding a mentor is, it, you know, though it's a challenge, uh, I found a lot of peace with the people who, who understand me the most. Um, and they've definitely made an impact and, and have tried to help me. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that makes sense. And um, you said something in there where it's like, uh, <laughs> if I could be the person to take, the next person under my wing because someone else did that for me. I was going to say, hence the name of the show, right? And that, um, right. <laughs> and so uh, what, what, what kinds of things have you been uh, working on lately? I know that you've recently, like you mentioned, made the switch from being a sort of business consultant over to, to HR. So what are some of the, I mean, I'm just not super familiar with HR to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the, um, you know, things that you're working on now that are different now that you are working in HR? Let's see. So it's funny because resource planning, it is HR, but it isn't. It's like this weird middle hodgepodge line. I think right now we're trying to classify, is it HR or is it project management? Um, it's, it's, or is it both, right? Or is it both? Yeah. Um, what are we working on right now? I think in terms, of, in terms of work, I think it is really understanding the lines of like, these are the job responsibilities, right? Mm-hmm. But um, in addition to that, I think a lot of a lot of this job is understanding all the departments and understanding all the certifications and taking a lot of different a lot of different training courses so as of right now what i'm doing i'm doing so much research into how to run a consulting firm in general because i feel like there this is though this is hr this is this is an administrative type job because you're having to um you're having to be a like the the team captain. Okay, I need you to go left. I need you to be, you know, right center, et cetera. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that what you, what you just said is, um, I feel like, well, first impression was more project management, but, you know, maybe um, thinking of people as almost assets, I guess. I don't know if that is, mm-hmm. you know, incorrect, but you know, and in a way it's, it's, it is both project management and HR. Um, so what are some of the uh, common mistakes that you would say you found yourself making or people have pointed out to you um, or that you see, you know, students making when they first come into the industry? Yeah, I think the first one is not asking enough questions. Mm. If you see something and you don't understand ask a question. I remember um, at my last job, uh, Nevo, there were some things I didn't ask, uh, you know, a question on because I thought I could handle it. I thought I could figure it out. And I just became so stressed and so overwhelmed because, I mean, as you saw in college, I was busy and I knew that I could handle anything that was thrown at me. But in the real world, you might not be able to. And so it's, it's okay to rely on someone else. And also, furthermore, if you raise your hand and you 
write an email and you say, I documented here that I did not how to know how to do this, or I've said here multiple times that, hey, this is an area that we, I need support in, nine times out of 10, people are going to, to help you. Not even just for a personal reason, they're like, well, I need the business to do well so I can get a paycheck. Therefore, I'm going to you know, resolve your issue. Right. I mean, of course, you don't want to be like the crybaby, but definitely, um, you know, I feel like a lot of mistakes that a lot of uh, new kids go into is that they just, they think they can handle it. They get overwhelmed and it's a sink or swim environment. Well, especially in marketing. I mean, agency has such a high tone of turnover mm-hmm. um, that if you sometimes don't make the cut, you're fired. If your client leaves, you're fired. So like, of course, you know, you, you want to be able to, 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 to do your due diligence, but stopping and seeing, is there any other example um, is there, is there someone who's more senior than you that you can rely on? Um, is there, is there someone else that maybe not, uh, be working in your organization? Can you lean on them? can did you do a Google is what I'm trying to say. Did you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, something that I've been sort of dealing with is, um, you know, well, first of all, I'll pose it as this question. Is there a difference between asking enough questions and asking the right questions. Um, and is there a such thing as a right question? That's just something that, that personally I've been dealing with because, you know, like you said, there's a lot of times where, and especially before I got the job I'm in now, where I didn't want to be the dumb person asking the questions, mm. but I realized that a lot of the people I looked up to, we're always playing the role of the dumb person asking the obvious question. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then I kind of had to realize, well, wait a second. Is it a dumb question if this person who I believe is really brilliant is asking it? And exactly, does it go from being a dumb question to the right question um, if it gets everybody else talking? So I think that's a, an important distinction that I'm still trying to learn to make. Um, but to, to piggyback off of you, I would definitely say to anybody listening, always ask questions because I guarantee you, if you're thinking it, there's somebody else in that room who's also Someone thinking it, but they don't have the courage to speak up and ask it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been the person who hasn't had the courage to speak up and ask it several times. And so sort of I'm trying to, you know, get on the other side of that as well. I firmly believe that if you don't ask questions, the world will stay the same and we can't afford that right now. In 2020, people are asking questions. Why is this school named after this person? Why do we have these redlining laws? Why do we accept this type of um, prejudice against us? And so not even just in your career, but in your life, ask the question. Because like Jay just said, if you don't ask that question, no one else might, but I guarantee you someone else is thinking the exact same thing that you are. Mm. Yeah. There's always going to be somebody like, mm, I got to, uh, I don't know what they, I don't know what this acronym means. I have no idea what's, what's come next. I don't know how I fit into this. And so, you know, even just asking a dumb question, like, okay, cool. We're talking about X, Y, Z. What do I need to do, you know, to bring that mm-hmm. alive? Something like that. We'll get the conversation rolling um, and you'll have a clear idea of what you're supposed to do. Um, so, you know, that's just a, a piece of advice, something that I'm personally working on. Um, sounds like you're working on it too. Agreed. Yeah. Cool. So before every episode of Pay It Forward, I ask everybody um, these four questions. So first up is, what are you reading right now? 
Yeah, so I'm a little late to the game, but I saw there was a Netflix special, you know, quarantine. Um, I just started Becoming by Michelle Obama. I'm mm. loving it so far. Yes. I was like, yes, that's, you know, that's America's mom. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, I gotta say that whole thing was amazing. I remember I watched it not long after it came out and I remember sitting on the couch crying like a little baby. I'm not even scared <laughs> to admit it. Um, so what is uh, something that's, you know, challenging for you right now? Something that's challenging is Oof, the motivation to work out. I think <laughs> diet is easy. Working out is so strenuous. Yeah, yeah, that's the big challenge. Yeah. Well, how are you? What are you? Um, how are you going to motivate yourself to work out? Oh what kind gosh. of workouts are you going to do? Um, so I don't know. Do you remember Chloe from from Nebo? Please I tell do me remember her. Yeah. Oh my gosh! So she started her own podcast, and it's like all about like positivity and wellness, and like not maybe not like sports wellness, but just definitely um, you know making betterment you know out of yourself and i'm like oh my gosh like you are my icon i want to be you <laughs> so um but you know even though it's not related to working out it's about being a professional i'm like oh my gosh like like there are a lot of people around me and so i'm just slowly starting to change my feed to like all you know get up and go motivation mm -hmm. you know wednesday workout like those kinds of things so like you know it you are who you hang around, but who you hang around now is your phone. So what's your phone telling mm, you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what's that, that, you know, thing that everybody spits out. It's like, you are the sum of the what five closest people around you. Exactly. Um, no, but I, I think that, you know, that's definitely something that people are having to sort of reckon with is, um, you know, how do you curate your feed, especially now? So something I've been trying to do is make my feed more, um, I don't want to say like black positive, but just making sure that the, the people I'm paying attention to are people that are uplifting, um, that people that are moving the movement forward, you know, and exactly. so how do you, how do you make sure that, uh, the things you take in your inputs are going to create something positive in you? Um, so, okay. Next question. What is something that you're really proud of right now? Something that I'm really losing weight. No, I'm really proud. <laughs> I'm sensing a theme. Right. And I was like, yes, guys. Um, it's something I'm really proud of. You know, so since coming back home and working, um, I've finally started to get, you know, my finances in order. Jesus, mm -hmm. I had no idea how bad this was. Um, but, you know, I've been looking forward to the future. Um, you know, I, so I, I am with a mental health coach right now. And so, it's been a great journey. And I yeah. think that's something that I'm really proud of is um, starting to look inside myself and not towards other people for the validation that I need in order to move forward. I think a lot of, especially like in school, you're always thinking, um, you know, like Johnny had got an A in his test, so I need to get, you know, an A plus. But now it's like, instead of keeping up with the Joneses, it's keeping up with yourself in the mirror. And now you're in quarantine, like you are the record to beat, you are the person. So um, I'm really proud that, you know, with my coach and I, we've developed, you know, a, a tentative, a couple year long track plan of like, okay, this is, these are the goals that you want to hit by this age. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm, I'm really proud that, you know, and I have a circle that, that supports some of these missions, you know, like going back to grad school, um, I do have two acceptance letters so far. Um, nice. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah. Um, that should have been, yeah, that should have been first up on your, what you're proud of. You know, so. Um, I'm just kidding, just kidding. It's, it's, it's definitely one of the, but I think that that 
the reason why I didn't put it first was because it was the product of changing myself. If yeah, you absolutely. are, you know, your driving force, if you are your biggest fan, then like nothing else can stop you. So mm -hmm. like this is, this is a product, this is a result of changing the way I look at myself in the mirror when I get up. Yeah. I matter. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, it's funny. I was literally uh, telling myself today, I'm like, you know what? Sometime in the next month or so, I'm going to like kind of look up and see if I can find some therapists because um, something I'm dealing with lately is a lot of work anxiety and it's not anything new, but um, you know, like I, I would get really, I get in like this basically like a fight or flight state when I'm oh giving a presentation God, yeah. or if I'm kind of put on the spot with something mm -hmm. and like I just immediately, like my eyes are wide open and my heart's pounding, like, and it's just kind of ridiculous. It's like, I'm just at work. Like I shouldn't feel like this. Right. So um, that's something we don't talk about in the black community. We don't talk about, yeah. you know, mental health. And sometimes it's like almost um, taboo. Like, well, no, we don't, we don't believe in that. You know? <laughs> well, it's just like, a, I was thinking, man, like, you know, it, if I'm at work, like the, the way that you do good work is to first of all, be comfortable. Right. And I'm, right. this is, if we want to go psychology about it, you know, I need to fulfill the Maslow's pyramid of like needs, right? Like I need mm. to be, I need to be comfortable. I need mm. to feel like I'm in a safe space so I can do my best thinking. And I'm not going to do my best thinking if I'm constantly like, you know, involuntarily really being in this fight or flight mode. And something that I realized was the presentations or the meetings that I get most nervous for are the ones where I kind of do my best because I, my anxiety was so heightened. I needed to make sure that I was oh, wow. like on top of everything. Right. And so those are the meetings where I go in so stressed. And by the end of it, I'm like, wow, that actually really well. <laughs> and so then I'm like, well, why the hell was I so nervous? Um, and so anxious. And, you know, and so I'm, I'm thinking about like trying to find uh, a therapist or somebody to talk about why, why that even happens because i haven't worked that out yet i haven't figured out why do i get so anxious over something that i know i put the time in and i i know that technically i'm prepared for now when you do let me know because it's so funny like after a while you start to find all of these connections it's like it, it's yeah. it's so deep <laughs> well i will definitely keep you updated and so well last question what is uh, a piece of advice that you would give to black students who listen to your episode um who are looking to start work. Um, maybe they just graduated, you know, things are hectic now, things are crazy. Uh, what would be your one piece of advice for them? The one piece of advice that I would give is there are going to be more no's than yeses. You have to work twice as hard to get half of what they have, quote by Livy Pope. And <laughs> if that's the case, you need to work eight times as hard to get twice than what they have. Mm and send out 800 applications. I mean, but really, I mean, I got, I got eight yeses. That means one yes per 100? Bet, I'm gonna do 800. Does that make sense? That's the kind of mentality you have to have if you're gonna work in the advertising industry, period. There's no, that's it. Well, with that, I think um, that I have just discovered two optional titles for your episode. Uh, <laughs> the first is more no's than yeses. And the second is one yes for a hundred. Um, so stay tuned to see which one I end up picking. I can't uh, wait. 
but that is a wrap for this episode of pay it forward so anthony thank you again for joining me um to anybody who's listening you know please uh, rate review like subscribe whatever the hell you do with podcasts wherever you listen to them um you can find more about the podcast in general at pay it forward podcast on all social channels and the forward is fwd thanks everybody for tuning in and anthony again thank you so much for talking to me thank you again for having me Thank you.